French Connection, the all-new Ragin' Cajun, 102.7 FM. Good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is Play by Play coming to you live on this Tuesday, the third day of the new year. Casey Gisclair here wishing you guys a great start to the day. Hope everyone is enjoying themselves. Hope everybody is emotionally stable after what was just a wild sports day yesterday. A wild and crazy sports day yesterday. Hope everybody is enjoying themselves. And uh, we could all maybe now... Exhale, because, man, we've had an emotional day. We'll talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of it, and we'll send some prayers up where they're needed, and you guys, I'm sure, know what we're talking about there. Um, We'll get to the LSU game. We'll get to the Tulane game. We'll maybe even talk some Saints. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know you've had a wild weekend, right, whenever the Saints being eliminated from the playoffs and beating probably the best team in the NFC is like back page news. It's something that, like, folks aren't even talking about anymore because of all the things that have happened since then. Um, my goodness, we'll get to all that stuff throughout the course of the 90 minutes today. Let's thank our sponsors on play-by-play for allowing us to be here. That is the Blue Boot Foundation, Neil Small Engine, Dufresne Building Materials, got you covered for all your roofing needs. Buzz Off, the only all-natural mosquito control professionals providing guaranteed results. Rouse's Markets feels like home. And Golden Motors, where price is priority. We thank them all so much for their support of our endeavors. Thank them all so much for what, uh, for supporting what we're trying to do here for our local student athletes. We've got a busy game schedule this week. We had a game last night on the middle school level, which I'll talk about in just a second, but we've also got a varsity, uh, boys basketball matchup between South Lafouche and South Terrebonne on Thursday, seven o'clock Tarpons are taking on South Terrebonne be an opportunity for the Tarpons to try to get a home win against a district opponent. But it's not a district game because <laughs> they're only playing one round of district play. So the Tarpons and Gators are just playing one another in a random non-district game. Uh, try to get some work. Try to get some polish before the district schedule starts. Last night I was at LCO and West Thibodeau. Uh, we could talk about that. Um, LCO girls looked good. Uh, looked poised. Looked better than they did against Lockport the last time I called one of their games. They were uh, creating better offense. They were um, making shots better. Quite frankly, you know, it's a make or miss league, as Jeff Van Gundy often says. Uh, they were yeah, so they were shot making better, creating better, passing better, playing great defense, and taking advantage of a West Thibodeau team that frankly physically didn't look like they were able to compete with the size and the strength of LCO. West Thibodeau's young, man. They, they got, they're playing a lot of sixth graders. They're playing a lot of girls who are new to the middle school level. And the inexperienced show. LCO took advantage of that, did what they had to do, got a big win, 1-0 in Parish play. On the boys' side, <clears throat> LCO did what they had to do there as well. They, they you know, again, uh, played great defense, ran great stuff, got some shot-making from, you know, Santa Mont made a couple of three-pointers, Cantrell made a three-pointer, The thing I think about that game that was telling, and maybe I'm wrong in this, um, maybe, you know, I'm overvaluing, you know, the team because I'm friends with the coach or, you know, I know a lot of the kids, but 
I truly believe that LCO hasn't played their best yet. And I think that that should be the number one source of optimism if you're a supporter or a fan of that program, is I'm seeing a team that's maybe more so than any other middle school team that I've seen this year, getting the ball in the right spots, right? Like they're getting the shots that they want every single possession. The issue is that they're not making a lot of the easy ones right now. Like LCO, yeah, they beat West yesterday and they beat them decisively. But they were they missed oh 10, 12 shots in the lane. Like they they left a lot of points still on the scoreboard. And you know, Coach Pokey was even saying that to us off the air after the game. He was like, man, we got to start making shots in the lane. And if LCO does that, um, this is gonna become a whole different team. They're gonna become a whole different team. They're gonna be so much more proficient. Uh, if they start making layups and start making free throws. But the first step at the middle school ranks is being good enough to get yourself in position to get layups or free throws. And they're, you know, they're doing that right now. Now they've just got to take advantage of the easy stuff and start making some of those little shots in the paint, start converting at the line. And if they do that, man, they're going to be able to contend with just about anybody. Now, we did see last night that we have a clear-cut favorite in the parish in our middle school basketball ranks. Raceland is that. They roll past Six Ward last night, getting a decisive win, blowout win over Six Ward. Raceland is, is unquestionably, on the boys' side at least, the favorites to win the parish. So we'll be keeping our eyes on that. Locally, high school basketball this week, we've got district play starting in our local 5A boys' basketball district. It's already started for the girls. But for boys basketball, it'll start roaring into high gear tonight. You got HL Bourgeois and Terrebonne. You got Terrebonne and Central Lafouche later on. So there are some big high-stakes heavyweight matchups in our 5A district. And I think the big thing that we'll be paying attention to over the next couple of weeks, especially on the 5A side, and we're going to kind of pause on the 4A side because they don't start district for a little bit. But on the 5A side, can the Bayou teams survive the challenges of the river? That's going to be a big story to, to track. It's going to be a big story to follow. Can the Bayou teams survive the river? Because the river is very good. And I saw with my own eyes on the girls' side just a couple of days ago, Destrahan come to Thibodeau and just put it on Thibodeau, who we all thought was the top girls' basketball team in the area on, on the 5A side, and Destrahan just walloped them. Now, on the boys' basketball side, it's going to be kind of the same situation. East St. John's going to be one of the favorites. Hanville's going to be one of the favorites. Destrian's going to be one of the favorites. Which, if any, Bayou Region team is going to stand up and say, hey, you know what? We're going to play with you guys. We're not going to be back down. We're not going to back down. We're not going to be intimidated. We're going to play with you guys. We're going to fight you guys, and let's see how it falls. Can anyone in the area do that? That remains to be seen. I think the most likely source to do it obviously would be Terrebonne right they're like 13 and 3 or something like that they're the most likely ones to do it but I also think on any given night if Bourgeois shoots the ball well they could play well I think on any given night if you know Thibodeau defends and you know makes some shots I think that they could play with anybody Central Lafouche obviously no slouch they're playing exceptionally well they've got uh, some tough wins lately that they have accumulated so it's going to be fun to see but I do think that in the 5A district everybody in the area is an underdog when they're facing the river. Everybody in the area is an underdog when they're facing the river. And it's going to be curious and interesting to see over the next couple of weeks if that momentum is going to change uh, and if that vibe is going to change and if anybody's going to stand up, draw a line in the sand and say, hey, no more. Now, one thing to pay attention to 
um, on the girls' basketball side of things and also on the boys' basketball side of things, I guess, is what about Ellender? Now, kind of shifting and talking about 4A now, but I think most folks would agree that Vanderbilt's probably the favorite in the girls' and boys' side in 4A. Their girls are incredible. Their girls are a contender to win the state championship. They're incredible. The boys are playing exceptionally well, too. Fresh off of a 3-0 stint at the core holiday invitational, uh, I think they would probably be ranked as the top boys team in our area right now just based on the pedigree and the way that they have been playing. I think really the only two that you could consider is they or Terrebonne, and I think Vanderbilt's done enough to position themselves maybe an inch or two higher than Terrebonne. But what about Ellender? On the girls' side, Ellender's starting to win a few games. They won four or five in a row. They're starting to get healthy. They're starting to turn the Jets up a little bit. On the boys' side, it's kind of a little bit more of a wobbly ship. They go out to the Sunkiss tournament. They split a couple of games, but you know the, the real competition that they face out there, they lose. Ship's still a little bit wobbly. Something tells me in the new year that ship's not going to be wobbly anymore. Something tells me in the new year they're going to start to play their best. The challenge for them is I don't know how good their best is this year. I don't know that they're super extraordinarily talented and way more talented than everybody else in the area this year. So I do think they're going to improve. Just don't know how much that improvement is going to amount to in terms of you know being the best team in the area and being able to push past everybody. That remains to be seen. But our local 4A district, I truly believe Vanderbilt's the favorites. Boy, outside of that, it's wide open. Because I could see South Lafouche beating Ellender on any given night. I could see Lutcher having a ton of athletes and beating anybody on any given night. Assumption has had some good results this year. It's wide open, and it's going to be extremely fun and entertaining to see how it all shakes itself out. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to Coach Brian Colley. My goodness, we've got some things to talk about with the coach. Um, we'll ask him about the middle school game last night, but then we've also got to talk about all the craziness around the world, man. you got... Tulane getting a big win in the Cotton Bowl, LSU destroying Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. You got uh, Hamlin for the Bills, you know, uh, passing out, cardiac arrest in the middle of the game. It's taking the world by storm. Thoughts and prayers up to he and his family. We've got so much to discuss. It's play-by-play on KLEB. We're going to Coach Colley out of this break on KLEB. Did you or your loved ones go without this hurricane season? Well, this year, go with Industrial Power Systems your only local power generation professional, serving LaFouche for over 18 years. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators for the most trusted brands in the industry. Generac, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins Onan, and many more. Industrial Power Systems. Power is our middle name. Call us today at 632-1692 or come see us on the back road in Galliano. It's Mike to tell you for Neal Small Engine Incorporated. Listen up. That's what we did at Gravely. We listened to lawn professionals. Then we brought the professional performance home. Gravely residential zero-turn mowers show the neighborhood that you mean business. Zero turns that are as tough as nails operate a comfort beyond compare. We've had 100 years of professional advice to perfect cutting performance. Just drop the deck, put the neighbors on notice. Gravely, driven from within. At Neal Small Engine Incorporated. Locations in Homa, LaRoe and Thibodeau. 
Pesky mosquitoes, gnats, and all kinds of South Louisiana bugs taking over your yard? Have no fear, Buzz Off is here to save your summer. Buzz Off is the only locally owned pest control company focusing on your outdoor living space. They use 100% organic ingredients, safe to all humans and pets. Check us out on Facebook or book your appointment today at buzzoffnow.com. Need our cedar beaters now? Call 985-333-8989 today to take your lawn back. Buzz Off Mosquito Control, safe, effective, guaranteed. At Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation. When you order curbside pickup on the new Rouse's shopping app, you pay the same price for groceries as in-store. And you get free pickup on all orders, $35 or more. Download the new Rouse's shopping app on the App Store or get it on Google Play. Place your order, choose your curbside pickup time, and your Rouse's Market's personal shopper will shop your order for you and load your groceries into your car. It's just that easy. Rouse's Market. Feels like home. Want to become a certified babysitter? Terrebonne General Health System is excited to offer super sitter classes. Participants will learn first aid and CPR along with safety, business, and basic child care skills. Classes are for ages 11 to 15 and will be held at Terrebonne General. Upon completion of the program, students will receive a two-year American Red Cross Babysitter CPR first aid certification. Our summer sessions are about to kick off. For class schedules and prices or to register, call 985-850-6204 or visit TGHealthSystem.com. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Welcome back to Play by Play here on KLEB. Casey Gisclair here, kind of doing a Monday show and a Tuesday show. We've got Stan Gravach coming at 12.15, but we've also got our regular Monday guest, Coach Brian Colley, Athletic Director at South LaFouche High School, is on the lines now. Coach, good morning, man. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, we are, man. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, I was mentioning in the first segment of the show, like, and we'll talk about this, I guess, later on, but like, how long ago does it feel like that the Saints beat the Eagles? Everything that's happened since then, it feels like a month ago. That was like two days ago, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. Uh, I was actually in Mississippi, watched the first half, and told my wife, I said, let's pack up, let's head on. We're going to listen to the game. Uh, on the radio, I don't want to see the Saints blow this lead. And <laughs> sure enough, they, don't, they come out with the win. I missed it, but I heard it on the radio. But, yeah, it seemed like a, a while back that happened. Yeah, we've got so much stuff to talk about over the next 15 or so minutes. Let's start with the middle school game last night. LCO uh, takes down the West Thibodeau. I mentioned it in the first segment of the show. LCO just out-executed them. They were running better stuff. They were getting better shots. They were getting cleaner shots. Uh, athlete on athlete, the teams are comparable. But execution, X's and O's-wise, it was not comparable. LCO was executing their stuff better, and as a result, they get a pair of wins. Yeah, you know, you start with the boys. They uh, Their size, I think, affected uh, West Thibodeau. West Thibodeau had, you know, one or two bigger guys, and uh, I think West got the ball in the spots that they needed to get the ball. They just missed tons of shots in the paint, and I think that's because of LCO's defense. And uh, they, they made them shoot all to their shots and 
LCO rebounded the ball, did not let West get many offensive rebounds. And uh, the guards from uh, LCO are impressive. They, they play extremely hard. They uh aggressive on defense. And on offense, they handle the basketball. There's not many turnovers. And you can tell it's a well-coached team. They do a lot of the little things the correct way. And I think that helps them uh, at the end winning some ball games. And on the girls' side, I came away very impressed with the offense they run. They move the ball. There's not many times where you see a girl pass, and, and especially going up against a zone defense, a lot of times you see some of these younger uh, teams where against a zone they pass and they stay in still. Well, uh, the Lady Bulldogs were passing and cutting to the basket, getting giving goals, and uh, had some good shots in the, in, the, in the paint on the inside, and they made a few on the outside, which uh, allowed them to extend that lead. So I came away very impressed with uh, both Bulldog teams last night. Let's talk about the Cotton Bowl, man. Let's dive right into it. Tulane gets the win over USC. It was a back-and-forth, thrilling matchup. A lot of folks are talking about it today. The Green Wave will finish their season ranked higher than they have in several seasons, get one of, if maybe not their biggest win of recent year, uh, defeat the Heisman Trophy winner, defeat uh, Lincoln Riley, who's supposedly the, the, the big cheese in the coaching circles. It was a big win for Tulane yesterday and just a thrilling, thrilling game. Yeah, it was. You should have had a little more excitement. Let's dive into it. You don't sound too fired up with the green wave. I'm hoarse, yeah. man. I was rooting for you yesterday. I'm hoarse, man. <laughs> but, yeah, my wife was telling me to stop screaming. I was watching a – I was screaming. She was forcing me to stop. But, uh, look, uh, they played a great game. Uh, defense, they had some, some trouble on the defensive side of putting pressure on the quarterback and allowed him to extend plays and hit receivers down the field. They gave up big plays, but on the offensive side, they made big plays. And, look, they got a little lucky, and they take some luck in some of these games. And they took advantage of the opportunities that were given to them. Uh, the guy fumbled that kickoff when they down eight, which gave them that opportunity to get the safety. And, uh, once you know, after that safety, they got the ball, and they came down and scored. And uh, just a tremendous victory for, for the Green Wave and their program. And, uh, and, you know, it, it, it's time. It's about time. You know, everyone, uh, Tulane knocking them for years and years. And uh, Coach Fritz has uh, put uh, a great program together. And he got those guys believing. And hopefully this is the start of something that's going to uh, be there for a while. Well, that was the next question I was going to ask is how sustainable is this long term? Because Willie Fritz has been there six, seven years now, and this is the only thing even remotely close to this that we've seen last year, how they were two and 10. So is this a situation? Look, I get they may not be 12 and two or whatever they are every single season, but is this a situation now where every year we should be expecting, hey, at least seven, eight wins, make it to a bowl? Like, are they at that level now where at the minimum they should be making it to a bowl every season, you think? Uh, I think they are. I really do. And yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, a 12 win season that doesn't come often, but uh, I, I think uh, I think it's a, a bowl game every year at this point. And if not, shame on them. I mean, they got things are uh, setting up in place right now with recruiting that should be easier for them to get you know these guys to go play for this program now because uh, you know they're starting to win uh, an explosive offense. And, look, their defense, they gave up some big plays. And, my goodness, they couldn't – those guys come up and hit you. They, they fly to the ball. And, 
it's just a, a fun environment right now for the Green Wave, and hopefully that, that should help their recruiting, and that should uh, the results should be every year where you know you at least seven eight wins. Let's talk about the LSU game. I know you said you didn't watch a whole lot of it. Well, brother, you didn't miss a whole lot. LSU just lines up and just rolls over Purdue. They get a 63-7 to win. LSU got the ball first, punted it away. That was about the only negative thing in the game after that. They, uh, you know, for stops on defense, uh, ran the ball, threw the ball, got Nussmeyer in, he played well, got Daniels in, he played well, proved that, hey, Keshawn Boutin, maybe you're not needed because Malik Neighbors you know, threw a touchdown, caught nine passes for 163, and you mentioned it yesterday at the LCO game. Uh, they did what they needed to do, man. No one feels sorry for you when you're shorthanded. No one felt sorry for LSU last year when they were shorthanded. The Tigers did what they needed to do. Yeah, they did. You know, and they're going to be uh, at least a, a top eight team, if not, I mean, at least. You know, well, I think worse, worst case, you know, uh, and uh, they need to play like it, and I think they will, and they did. Uh, they did yesterday, and you know, you go into a bowl game, and you, you, they, they can take this just like Tulane and build off of this win, carry them into the off season, and get some momentum going into uh, you know next season. So after the game, because it was the Cheez-Its Bowl, they dumped Brian Kelly with a big old Gatorade cooler of Cheez-Its. He then responded by bending over, picking up a handful of Cheez-Its and eating them on the field. If ever you would have won the Cheez-Its Bowl, Coach, would you have in, would you have consumed the Cheez-Its? Oh, you, you bet you bought them down. <laughs> it's probably a lot worse than that. <laughs> Sounds like a winner, man. Uh, look, let, let's talk about this from, from, from the LSU perspective of things. Um, uh Everybody's saying now, like, man, hey, this thing is 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 about ready to take off, and and I truly believe that. And look, maybe I'm just looking at it as a graduate, purple and gold shaded glasses. You're not as big of a fan, but bro, I, I think much like we said with Tulane a second ago, I think LSU is going to be really good next year, man. You're returning ten guys on offense, you're returning a, a handful on defense, but it's the right handful. It's Mason Smith and Perkins and some of the high level guys. Like much like we just said about Tulane, I think LSU's back to that point where nine, ten wins is the starting point. Like that's where they're just going to be from now on. Yeah, and you know, and a difference is uh, obviously the schedule in the SEC. Uh, a lot of these teams are getting better. You know, Alabama. Uh, I think they were strong this year. You know, losing a couple of games, I think they'll be right in the mix again next year, along with LSU. But some tough games, and. Uh, I expect the LSU to, to be around there. The only thing I, I would be concerned with, kind of, uh, you know, and it's it's rumor stuff and all that, but the locker room. I, I don't know how uh, if the locker room is uh, is all together right now. People making different comments and all. And it, look, it could just be rumors and stuff, but that, that might be something to keep an eye on in the off season. I, you know, I was concerned about that. Actually, I really was going into the bowl. I was I was concerned about that. But then seeing them show up and win sixty three to seven, and everybody's dancing in the end zone, like it looked like they threw a little bit of water on some of that yesterday. But let's talk about the conference as a whole, man, because everybody was kicking on the SEC early in the bowl schedule, right? They were losing a bunch of games. They didn't lose any New Year's Six games. The uh, yo Clemson gets the win over ten. Or, I'm sorry, Tennessee gets the win over Clemson. Uh, Alabama gets the Sugar Bowl win. LSU rolls. Mississippi State wins. Georgia wins. Boy, it feels like the games that they want to win, and I'm not saying that the teams that lost lost because they didn't want to win. That's arrogant. But maybe the games that they were focused on winning, 
They sure got, and it seems to happen like that every single year. Yeah, you know, Georgia got a little lucky. Uh, but, again, it takes some of that. But I came up impressed with Tennessee. Uh, that is a, that's a pretty darn good football team. They, got, they can run the ball extremely hard. They can pass the ball uh, down the field. That quarterback has a cannon. And uh, they got some receivers who can who can uh, get over the top and, and open it up for you. So uh, I, I want to keep an eye, my eye on Tennessee for next year and see if they can uh, keep this train rolling or if it's just a, a one-year and kind of done deal. The Saints are out of the playoffs, but they do get a big win over Philadelphia uh, on Sunday and played really well doing so. I thought defensively they were very good. Offensively they were very efficient, did what they had to do. So where do we stand here? I mean, I, I know that now it's certain like Dennis Allen's not going to be removed unless if there's some miracle and Sean says, hey, I want to come back. I don't think any of those things are happening. So Dennis Allen's going to be back. You've got to figure out your long-term option at quarterback. You've got to figure out salary cap-wise which veterans you're going to keep. I still don't think the future's all that bright. I'm not going to lie to you. But, boy, it feels a little brighter than it did a month ago. Like, you could see where if they just, you know, plug up a couple of holes in the boat, they could at least be competitive next year. And what maybe gives me even more hope, Coach, is that I think everybody else in this division is a mess. I think Brady's going to leave Tampa. Atlanta and Carolina don't have quarterbacks. So maybe that gives you a little hope that maybe you'll just be the best of a, of a bad division going forward. Yeah, and it, look, it, it, it should have been that way this year. Uh, they should have been the best in a bad division. But, uh, you know, with the Dennis Allen situation, I think he's back. Uh, I think those guys want to play for him. They, uh, it may have taken them uh, a while to uh, maybe to understand how he does certain things compared to Sean Payton. And I, I would be curious to see if if Sean Payton would come back, if those players would uh, would want Sean Payton back. I mean, now I think they settled in to Dennis Allen's way of doing things and uh, if Sean Payton would come back I mean, could that uh, kind of a hard-nosed guy I'm not sure if those guys want that back so uh, but offensive-wise, it would be a, <laughs> a huge asset to get him back but uh, we'll see next year, but it's definitely you're right, four, uh, four weeks ago it was looking uh, doom and gloom for him but it's, uh, it's a much better outlook right now you know, it's crazy. There are these moments in sports that you're going to re always remember where you were when you found out about it or where you were watching it. And there are certain moments in time, like I'll always remember where I was when LSU had the Bluegrass Miracle. I'll always remember where I was when the Saints, you know, beat the Vikings or won the Super Bowl or you know, when LSU won the national championship or whatever it may be. I got a feeling last night is going to end up being one of those times where you and I are always going to remember being in the LCO gym when my phone starts blowing up with text messages and your phone blows up with a phone call and we learn the news that DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills suffers cardiac arrest and has to get revived on the field. Going back and watching it after the fact, I've never seen anything like that. I hope he pulls through. I think the teams made a great decision telling Roger Goodell, hey, screw off, we're not going play. I think it's heartless that the NFL wanted them to go back out and play. Uh, and I think it's a great job by those teams not doing so, and hopefully this will end with a good resolution and he pulls through. But, boy, that was scary as heck seeing that last night. Yeah, it was, and you hear all the reports. Like they said, we knew it was different. The way people were reacting, it was a, it's a different situation from you know when uh, another person would get injured. But it's a, a sad situation when that happens, and hopefully, like you said, he can pull through and 
then you look, you got to give credit those first responders and those trainers and the medical staff for them teams. Uh, I mean, they jumped right in on that. They knew exactly what, you know, to do. And uh, he, at least when he left the field, he had a heartbeat. They got the heartbeat back when he, uh, when they put him in that ambulance. So hopefully uh, he can get a recovery and a uh, great decision by the players. There's no way you can go back and play a game after that uh, severe of an injury. That, that they all witness. And, I mean, you're looking at one of your brothers on your, your team that, that's high, receiving CPR, how, and then, then he, he goes away in an ambulance. How in the world can you expect people to play after that? It's just uh, mind-boggling. But uh, great decision at the end to just postpone that game. You And last question for us. I know you got some school stuff. I heard the bell ring a second ago. Um, you coached through a situation where a player got severely injured and needed immediate medical assistance. What's that like? Like, what's going through your mind when that's happening? Like, I can't even imagine. Like, that's got to just be the most helpless and just difficult feeling to deal with. I can't imagine the anxiety that, that must be going through those people whenever they're in that situation. Yeah, uh, it's terrible. Uh, it brings tears to my eyes just even thinking about it. And it was, you know, it's several years ago. But, it, you know, it's things you... Uh, little things that you will never forget when that situation happened, and uh, when you see his uh, his parents when that's happening, it's uh, it, it's horrifying. It's terrible, and uh, you got you trying to you know you see all this and all the emotions you have, you're trying to put that to the side so that you can uh, do your job and get you know the best care for the, this athlete and. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a terrible situation. Uh, something you don't wish on anyone that has to go through it because it's uh, it's it's not good. And we had a a very happy ending on, on our end. Thank God for that. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's terrible. Yeah, no doubt, partner. Thanks so much for the time. Have a great rest of the day, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Yep, that's Coach Brian Colley with South Lafouche doing an excellent job. For those not familiar, he was freshman football coach, young freshman player, uh, goes down, has a severe head injury, brain bleed, and needs to get rushed straight into surgery. And like he said, that situation had a very happy ending. Trevor's still with us today. He's living a normal life. He's he's doing okay. But, boy, I can't imagine the anxiety and the stress and the tension. And uh, I can't imagine – what those players must have been going through. Well, I'll get to my thoughts on Roger Goodell and how much of a jerk he is at the bottom of the show when we're giving out W's and L's. But, whew, crazy times. Let's catch a break. When we get back, I'll talk about the bowl games yesterday. It's play-by-play on KLEB. We'll be right back after this. Do you want a free easy-go golf cart? Golden Motors has given you a chance to win a new golf cart. All you have to do is buy a new or pre-owned vehicle to get your chance to put your name into a drawing. During the months of November through January 31st, Buy your next car, truck, or SUV and get your chance to win. See our collections of Chevy Silverados, Equinox, and Trailblazers arriving daily. Golden Motors, where price is priority. On Highway 3235 and cut off, Chevy, find new roads. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. How about becoming a part of something bigger and join the team? We're currently hiring for welders, fitters, and blaster painters to work at our fabrication yard in LaRose. You can apply now at www.danos.com or call us at 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. 
That's Danos. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dofriend building materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dofriend Easy Buy? Come see us at dofriendlumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the do-friend difference. Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand-related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafouche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse, 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. You have a pest control problem? Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies has an experienced staff that can guide you with the products to use yourself for your home or business. They carry a full line of professional products for termites, mosquitoes, ants, wasps, fleas, bedbugs, mice and rats, or any other pest control needs you may have. That's Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies. Call 985-475-3314. That's Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies. Home health services in South LaFouche are vital right now. Look no further than Lady of the Sea Home Health, where the sick, the elderly, and the homebound. Our caring staff makes each day a little brighter, a little better. With quality health care and warm, genuine support, you and your loved ones are the most comfortable, content, and independent in your own home. Speak to your physician today about home health services from Lady of the Sea. Call 985-632-6900 for more information. Quality health care locally for you. We start our lunchtime hour of play-by-play. Hope you guys are doing wonderful. We've got Stan coming up in the next segment of the show. We've got our W's and L's coming up in the bottom of the show. Whew, we're having some fun here on play-by-play. And if you're out eating lunch and you know, go and grab your bite, hope that your food is served warm and you enjoy your one hour away from work. Uh, spend your stress-free hour with us talking some football, talking about LSU, talking about Tulane, talking about... Uh, the situation at the Bills game yesterday. We'll be talking about all of that in the next hour or so. Um, let's talk about the Cotton Bowl first. Man, couple of things. First and foremost, the effort with which Tulane played while down and while looking like, hey, you're going to not win this game was very impressive. Tulane, much like LSU did in the SEC championship game, decided from the get-go, no matter what happens, we're running through the tape. No matter what happens, we're playing the full 60 minutes hard. In the case of the Tigers in the SEC championship game, it wasn't enough. They didn't have enough. Georgia was too good. In the case of Tulane and the Cotton Bowl, it was enough. USC was not able to separate from them enough to pull away and decisively get a win, and Tulane was able to battle back. Tulane scored 32 points in the second half. I was not necessarily surprised that Tulane had a hard time slowing down USC. 
I said that in my live video on social media yesterday. I didn't think Tulane could slow down USC with Caleb Williams in the lineup. But sorry, had to turn down the mic to sneeze. It's a new year, my first sneeze on the air. Um, where I am surprised is I was surprised that Tulane was able to have that much success offensively. I didn't look, I knew USC's defense was <clears throat> not the best. But Tajay Spears at 17 carries, 205 yards, four touchdowns. That's 12 yards a carry. And look, it's easy to just sit up here and say, oh, bro, USC, their run defense is bad. And it is. But you know what? Tulane was also knocking their defensive line on their ass. Tulane was also blocking them. Tulane was also pushing them around. And late in the game when Tulane couldn't run the ball anymore because they were up against the clock, Michael Pratt, their quarterback, was hitting some passes. And they caught it a beautiful touchdown reception at the end of the game. So while everybody's inclination nationally is going to be, oh, Lincoln Riley choked again. He lost the big game again. And I don't know necessarily those people are wrong, right? Because, yeah, he did kind of gag one away. And, yeah, you know, his teams do have a history of doing this on a big stage. I just don't want it forgotten that Tulane played really damn well down the stretch. And they did some things to force USC into that uncomfortable situation. They finished 12 and 2, USC 11 and 3. Tulane's going to finish the year probably ranked uh 12, 11, something like that. It's going to be a great finish for them. Hopefully they could carry that momentum forward. Um but boy, uh they're losing a few pieces now, so they're going to have to replace some key guys. You, you know, Spears announces he's going to the NFL. And they are going to lose a couple of key pieces. But Willie Fritz, as Coach said a minute ago, they're they're recruiting better, so I think that they'll be equipped. They do play Ole Miss next year. Circle that date, September the 9th, playing Ole Miss. <clears throat> and what a fun matchup that's going to be. An opportunity to try to uh, take down an SEC uh, school. It's going to be a very fun game, seeing how the uh, the Wave could handle the SEC speed and Lane Kiffin's offense and all that, that fun stuff. Um, let's talk about this now. LSU wins the Citrus Bowl, the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. <sighs> I've said things similar to this a couple of times here on this show. And I'll reiterate it and repeat it again. We're now January 3rd, 2023. One year ago, like right now, LSU had just barely gotten a coach. There were questions about recruiting didn't have very many guys on the roster. Jaden Daniels wasn't even there yet. A lot of the guys who played in the bowl game weren't even there yet because a lot of them were transfer players, Noah Kane and others. There was a lot of uncertainty. The Tigers have climbed the wall to about the middle of the wall. They were rock bottom after Ed left. He left them with not a lot of talent, left them kind of in, in shambles. They, they hit rock bottom whenever last season ended. Now they've climbed about midway through the wall. This offseason, LSU's going to climb back to the top of that wall. LSU's got 10 offensive starters returning off of an offense that's really good. They've got several quarterbacks who could play. They've got several running backs who could play. They've gotten rid of the poison in their receiving room. And now they're led by a guy, Malik Neighbors, who went over 1,000 yards yesterday, caught nine passes, 163 yards in the score. He'll take over as the number one receiver beautifully. 
Mason Taylor is an elite tight end. He caught eight, five passes for 88 yards in a score yesterday. He will be an elite weapon at the tight end position. And then you got ancillary players, Kyron Lacey, Brian Thomas, you know, and others who are going to fill in very nicely in you know secondary roles within the offense. And then we're not even talking about Shelton Sampson and Aaron Anderson and those other pieces. Defensively, do you got some holes to plug up? Sure you do. You know, you got to replace a lot of the secondary. You got to find some defensive line. I, I get all that. But I think LSU's in a spot where now, annually, we're going to look at this team and say, 9-3 and three is the floor. 11-1 and one is probably the ceiling. And whenever that playoff expands to 12 teams, they're going to get in every year. They're going to get in every year. Right now, it's hard, right? With only four teams, it's hard. Because, you know, you lose one game, you could potentially never get back in the top four. But when you expand that thing out to 12, and you give them the luxury and the leeway to lose two, maybe even three games during the season and stay in the top 12, LSU and several other SEC teams are going to get into the playoff every single year. And it's going to create a situation where, guess what? The conference is going to win the national championship every fall. They're already doing it right now at four. Think about what you watched over New Year's. Did Georgia get lucky to beat Ohio State? Yeah, they probably did, right? I don't think TCU or Michigan could play with either Georgia nor Ohio State when Ohio State's playing like that. And I know you guys are screaming, oh, Michigan beat Ohio State. On a cold, windy day, they beat them. In an enclosed stadium, warm weather, where Ohio State's able to run their pass skeleton, Michigan ain't beating them. I think the two best teams or the two best games in the country were played in the Peach Bowl. Georgia survived. The only other teams in the country that I think could play with Georgia besides for what we saw from Ohio State the other night are Alabama, Tennessee. It's that simple. Like, it's that simple. Alabama and Tennessee could could reasonably play with TCU and Michigan. They could reasonably play with, with the Ohio States of the world. They could reasonably play with Penn State who won the Rose Bowl. They could reasonably reasonably play with Tulane who won the Cotton Bowl. Those teams could play with the anybody else in the country. The only reason why they have losses is because they're playing the behemoths of the SEC. When we expand to 12, and instead of it only being Georgia, and it now instead will be Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, some years Auburn, some years Ole Miss, some years whoever it may be, they're going to win the championship every single year. And I don't think that it, like, at this point, but here's the thing, right? Like, Big 12 guy or Big 10 guy or Pac-12 guy, they used to stand up and say, ah, the conference is overrated. Now, what's funny is that, like, as I'm debating some of my friends who who favor other conferences on social media over the holiday, they've all conceded. They know it. They know it. Like, man, like, I'm just tired of the SEC. Like, I get it. They're the best by far. I'm just tired of seeing them dominate. That's that argument has come a long way and has evolved because it used to be 
man, you guys are overrated, man, you guys just get all the attention and all the press. Now everybody just knows that they're the top dogs and it's just fatigue. Well, guess what? That fatigue ain't going away. That fatigue is going to get worse because when the playoff expands, they are going to rule college football. And there will be some ancillary programs that are going to win some games in the playoffs and make little runs. And I think most of them will be Southern teams. TCU's going to the championship game. Where are they from? They're from Texas. Clemson's made some runs. Where are they from? Are they from South Carolina? The South controls college football because the South has the best athletes. The South has the kids who run the best, run the fastest, are the biggest, the fastest, and the strongest. And that dominance is not going away anytime soon. And when we open up that umbrella and welcome more teams in, that parity that we always are talking about and hoping will happen, the gulf between the South and everybody else is going to grow even wider than ever. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to Stan Gravois. It's play-by-play on KLEB. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow. The French Connection, the all-new Raging Cajun, 102.7 FM. The music on the bayou, the all-new Raging Cajun, 102.7 FM. Calvin Braxton Ford is your brand-new car dealer in Lockport, Louisiana. They cannot wait for you to stop in and take a look at their big-town inventory and small-town prices. Schedule your test drive today and let one of their trained sales staff help you every step of the way. Their skilled management team ensures that you'll have a phenomenal experience, whether it be sales, service, parts, or financing. Ford, the number one brand in America. Stop by today at Calvin Braxton Ford, 5878 Highway 1 in Lockport. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus, the river parishes too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? Come see us at dufresnelumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the Dufresne difference. Tri-Parish Police Supplies is a top-of-the-line police, fire, and EMS supply store, as well as a great source for tactical and home defense needs. Tri-Parish Police Supplies is open to the public Monday through Friday, 9 till 5, and on Saturdays, 10 till 2. So stop in at Tri-Parish Police Supplies on Highway 311 today. For more info, call 985-873-9989. Welcome back to Play by Play here on KLEB. Casey Gisclair here on this 
Tuesday, we go to the phone lines for our Terrebonne General Tuesday, and we have Stan Gravois on the line. Stan, good afternoon. Happy late New Year, brother. How are you? Good, good. Happy New Year to you and everybody listening, and uh, here's to, to a great New Year. Absolutely, man. Uh, let's talk about this right out of the gate, and you're the perfect guest to have on to talk about this. Um, you employ and, and you know help to uh, coordinate with a full team of athletic trainers, and there are probably a lot of people at times who are maybe saying to themselves, oh, who's that guy or who's that gal that are at all the games? And, you know, they're just kind of standing there. And, you know, every once in a while they're going tape an ankle or stretch a person out of their cramping or whatever it may be. A lot of the times the work is not hard nor life-threatening, life but last night it was in Buffalo, and that's why we have athletic trainers. That's why they're important, and that's why hopefully so far we've, we've saved the life. Hopefully it stays that way. Man, I thought about you as soon as I saw that situation. It's like, man, that's why those men and women are where they are. That was great work by that uh, staff out there, and kudos to you and your team because every single game that your crew goes to, something similar could happen, and they're ready for it if ever it does happen, God forbid. Yeah, and what I, I thought of immediately was those guys who work for me and how hard they work every day and then what they do. It, you know, we don't see what happened last night all the time. We... We see broken bones, and we see concussions, and we see non-life-threatening issues. But when you see something like that last night and realize that athletic trainers go up and beyond that the normal call of duty, which a lot of those commentators last night were saying after the incident, uh, it is, it's, it's very rewarding and proud to me. I, listen, from an acute care standpoint, from being – that guy who's clinical in nature, it's not me. I was just a coach, and I fell in sort of in the right place to oversee these guys. But since being in their world, I'm so proud, and I have such a better understanding about what they do. Even when I was coaching, starting to know at the end of my tenure what athletic trainers did, I still didn't even like touch the iceberg of all of the things that they do for the teams and for the community as a whole because it's even more than just your local high school teams or your collegiate teams or your professional teams. It's being at, you know, soccer matches. It's being at recreational events. And they understand what to do. They're there and, and they're, 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 they're and they'll be the first to tell you they're not the physician. They're not the nurse. They're the person who gets the things done that need to be done to save the quality of life. And there's no better example of that than what happened last night. The other interesting thing was was when I came in this morning, obviously, you know, it's a new year. It's our first day back in at work. It was certainly our topic of a water cooler discussion this morning. And it was like, you know, me asking them, what did y'all think? What did y'all? They said, we, we've had classes on that. And we understand. And our first thought was, was, you know, this actually happens, I didn't realize this, more to baseball players because they get hit in that part of the chest with a baseball that just messes up the rhythm of the heartbeat. And they said, usually you'll see it more there. But ironically enough, you know, obviously things just happen in that certain way. And I said, so what do you do? And they and they said, you do exactly what those guys did last night. And, and I think that's in all probability, would save his life. It's you know, it's 2023 now. That happened. You saved the life. The same thing happens in say, you know, 1973. You don't save the life. And ironically enough, again, 
I was a kid, and I'll never forget this. I was a kid, and the Lions were playing the Eagles, and that's the last time that there was an individual who unfortunately, I mean obviously, unfortunately, tragically, passed away on the football field, and it was the same type situation, you know, with an arrhythmia, a problem with the heart. And it just makes me wonder, because of athletic trainers, maybe we've got to that day and age where we are, you know, it's not just saving, you know, the person from getting hurt further. It's saving lives now. So it's it's very impressive what they do on a daily basis. Yeah, no doubt. And hopefully that situation continues to be on the up and up. Let's talk some college football. Uh, we'll we'll start with LSU. We'll get into Tulane after. LSU did what they had to do, man. Purdue was a little depleted. Yeah, but heck, LSU was a little depleted in some areas. I think one of the most impressive things is that, man, in years past, we've seen LSU teams go to bowl games, and they didn't really want to be there a whole lot. LSU wanted to go win their 10th game yesterday. They played hard. They didn't look distracted at all. They did what they wanted to do. They got multiple quarterbacks in. They all had success. They controlled the lines of scrimmage. And look, Purdue was without their quarterback and some receivers, whatever. They didn't have very many opt-outs on defense. LSU scored 63 on them, so that's good work. Tigers did what they had to do and controlled the game. Got a big win. Agree. I uh, this is this is a compliment. I hope people take it as a compliment. I was bored to tears because <laughs> they were so good. They just dominated the game and they did it on the line of scrimmage. And you know, I always start by talking about the line of scrimmage, and they did it. They did it more on the offensive line of scrimmage, and they actually did it on the defensive line of scrimmage. I thought, but that's to be expected because they did lose some guys on that defense. LSU did. That being said, you have to be happy with the way Jaden Daniel played. Uh, you have to be happy with the way Nussmeyer played for the most part. I didn't expect to see that. Maybe I just hadn't been keeping up with it as much. I don't know if you had known that Nussmeyer was going to come in that quickly and play that much in the game. But all that being said, in today's world of college football, the only thing that happens after that game is is everybody's got to take a look at their position room, right? The quarterback room, the running back room, whatever it may be. And I know decisions are going to be made related to the portal. I would have to think there's not a big enough room for quarterbacks there, and we are going to see somebody who eventually may go somewhere else, or maybe not. I, you know, uh, I hope not. But all that being said is, is that yesterday you realized how good LSU is potentially for the future, and it's deep everywhere. It's it's like, you know, even the wide receiver position that we really worried about, I had known a little bit about the Ibietta kid who got to play yesterday for the first time this year. I understand people from the North Shore tell me he's great. Like, he's going to be really, really good. So that being said, we know Kyron Lacey can play. You know, Neighbors, I thought, was the best receiver on the team this year by far. I don't mean to upset anybody anymore, but that's what it was to me. So that being said, just about everywhere, maybe the running back room could get a little thicker. Uh, the offensive line is in pretty good shape. Tight end, you're in good shape. Defensive line may be a little thin, but I think they'll be okay by the time the year starts. I, I just see them being really good across the board going forward everywhere. And if that's boring, that's a good problem to have. The full, by far most entertaining game yesterday was the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Tulane gets a 46-45 to win over USC. <clears throat> Man, you beat the Heisman Trophy winner. You go and put 16 points on them late, get a late safety, take care of business, come all the way back from a 45-30 to deficit. 
Man, that was a lot of fun watching for a couple of reasons. A, we're happy for Tulane. We're happy they got their 12th win. B, it's wonderful to see Lincoln Riley lose big games against Louisiana schools. It happens pretty often. It was a great situation all around yesterday, wasn't it? It was. And listen, I, I'll say this. I, I, It's just certainly a personal opinion. I think Tajay Spears might be the best. Not might. I think he's the best collegiate player in the state of Louisiana. That guy's special. And he's smart. And he's done everything. He can catch a ball off the backfield. I think he could return kicks for somebody on the pro level. I think he's just that good. He's really, really good. The thing I found interesting, you talked about Lincoln Raleigh. It, it, the quarterbacks would bother me a little bit. I know he won the Heisman, and I'm sure he's good, and I don't want to judge him just on this. And maybe this is me just being older, you know. But, but to win the Heisman and to still see – you know, what he writes on his fingernails when oh, he yeah. plays opponents. I, I don't get that, Casey. And it may be a generational thing where, you know, the younger generation is kind of laughing, saying, hey, don't get bent out of shape and stuff. But, you know, in, in a day and age where everybody wants to promote fellowship and they want to promote, you know, being a good sport, I don't know how you much of a good sport when you write what he writes on his fingernails. And if people out there are thinking right now, I don't know what he's talking about, just go look it up because it's pretty bad. And we're not allowed to say it on the air. (laughs) Yeah, we can't say it in the air. You know, and and I understand he didn't write it about Tulane, probably because he didn't have anything to write about. But if he would have, boy, he sure got payback because the way they lost that game was something else. I would say this, too. I was dead wrong on two picks related to the college bowl games. I was wrong on a lot more than that, but two picks that I was wrong on that I am so glad I was wrong on, and Tulane was one of them. I didn't think that, you know, if if USC's offense, I I thought Tulane could score. I thought they could be in the 30s, maybe the low 30s, but I didn't know they could score the way they did. That's one. And two, uh, you know, they made the stops, I guess, when they had to against USC. That safety was big. And the other one was the TCU game against Michigan. Uh, I'm glad TCU ended up winning that game. I didn't think they could. I don't think a lot of people thought they could. All that being said, I do think, even though I wanted TCU just in my heart to kind of win being the underdog, I did get a little frazzled like you did with, with Coach Dykes and some of the comments he made right before the game related to the SEC. But we're going to find out how that works out for him, right? Yeah. yeah. He's got to pay the rent on those soon. <laughs> yes, yes. So that, 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 he still hadn't paid the piper on that comment. The other thing is, is I do think Michigan was very unlucky. I was – you could say what you want about Harbaugh, but he was very classy after that game because I don't think I would have been that classy with some of the calls and some of the little bitty things that happened that, quite honestly, that could have been a different game. Don't get me wrong. I think TCU did everything they needed to do, and that's exactly what Harbaugh said. But that was a game. Well, actually, both of those games were kind of like, I'm sure Georgia doesn't want to play Ohio State again. And I'm sure TCU doesn't want to play Michigan again. It's a let's move on kind of thing from here on out. But a lot of really good football, very entertaining football. Again, the only game that wasn't entertaining was the LSU game. Georgia got luckily, very lucky. You know, they they called the the last second timeout before a fake punt. They could have flipped the like they they got lucky, but they did survive. Now, 
is this going to be something that TCU could exploit? Or is this going to be a situation where it was just kind of a perfect storm? Ohio State has a great passing attack, which they do. And, and I made the point early in the show, yeah, everybody's quick to say Michigan beat Ohio State. Well, if that game was played in a dome and, you know, 70-degree weather and it wasn't in the wind and 20-degree weather, maybe that game goes a little differently. So will TCU challenge Georgia or will this be Georgia kind of pulling away? Georgia's a big favorite in Vegas. Vegas is rarely wrong. You know who else was a big favorite in Vegas yesterday? LSU, and look how that turned out. So Vegas is rarely wrong. They think Georgia's going to blast them in the championship game. What say you? I think that that spread is going to come down, though. I really believe that. As that game gets closer, I still think Georgia's going to be favored, but I don't think it's going to be what it is now. So I think that's going to happen because I think that's just the way Vegas works, more or less. I think, of course, you hear me keeping on saying I think because I don't know anything. I think it's a situation what Georgia really has the upper hand because they know they can't go in there and mess around. And I think what TCU did to Michigan shows them that they can't go around and mess around. I don't think TCU's defense can stop Georgia at all. I do think TCU might score some points, but I, I still see it being a two-touchdown situation. Uh, you know what's funny? We keep on throwing out that Two touchdowns. I think LSU will be winning. You know, I think they'll. Win. I think they'll beat Purdue by two touchdowns. But truthfully, deep inside, if you're saying that you think a team's going to win by two touchdowns, you really mean you think they're going to blow the other team yeah. the hell out the water, right? And that's that's kind of what you mean. But you're taking that little safe edge by saying only 14 points. But I w- I'd venture to say right now, the way the games played out this weekend, I don't think Georgia's going to take anything for granted. If TCU does win it all, hats off, man. That's it. We got to call up truck and say you were the man and all of that stuff. But that's I it I just can't see it happening. I really don't see it happening. And I'm sure what we mentioned a little bit earlier with the bulletin board material, Kirby Smart's already got that hanging up somewhere in Georgia's locker room. Stan, it's crazy. It feels like the Saints beat the Eagles like a month ago because we had the Tulane game, we had the LSU game, we had the Hamlin situation. It feels like that was a month ago. That was just a couple of days ago, man. The Saints play well. They beat the Eagles. They end their playoff hopes on that day. But, boy, they're playing their best ball. Dennis Allen securing himself another season. And at least, and I was mentioning this with Brian earlier in the show, at least there's a glimmer of hope now of, like, look, in a division where – Tom Brady may not be with Tampa anymore after this year. Carolina doesn't have a quarterback. Atlanta doesn't have a quarterback. You might be able to be the best team in a bad division, a division that doesn't have all that of a bright future anyway to begin with. The thing I think I was most impressed with is is that when the Saints get into the middle of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, and it's a game like that game against the Eagles, they sort of found a way to lose it. You know, and, and a lot of times that goes back to coaching. Can coaches win those close games? And he's found some sort of mojo the last couple of weeks. Or the guys are playing harder for him or whatever the case may be. So I agree. I, I, I think it even doesn't matter what happens this upcoming week. He saved his job for another year. There are a lot of people who were very, very anti-Pete Carmichael. I never, I never have been. My only problem with it is that sometimes that you know if Taysom Hill's back there and everybody's on the line of scrimmage Taysom Hill's going to run it and I always thought there could have been a little bit more imagination with some of that and I know a lot of people are saying well why be imaginative you're out flanking them you're out blocking them well 
first, you might be outflanking them and you might be better off man for man, but you're not out blocking them. You know, I mean, they know what's coming, so that's like, that's worth having another man on the line of scrimmage to the opponent. But all of that being said, there's nothing to really be negative about the last couple of weeks for the Saints. And as much as we've been blowing off this concept of the Saints could possibly get in the playoffs, I got to tell you, I don't care if you were Joe Cool trying to say, oh, the Saints ain't getting in the playoffs. We're not going to worry about it. You were kind of peeking at that score with the Buccaneers and the Panthers in the second half of that game just to see, because that's when you finally realize, wow, what if they do beat the Eagles? And what if Carolina does win? Because Carolina was up by two scores at one point in that game. And I think a lot of Saints fans were kind of like, maybe there's a chance, kind of like in the movie Dumb and Dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. There was for a little while. But I think the best thing that probably could have happened ultimately with them not being in the playoffs has happened. I I think, you know, when it's all said and done, the Tampa Bay folks are going to be in the same boat. They're going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe we got to go to the playoffs, you know. Until you see Dak Prescott lined up next to you and he throws it to you four times and you're winning your first game. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, have a little hope. Have a little faith. Have a little faith. Uh, I've heard people this weekend say because of what the Saints did to the Eagles, because of the resurgence of a few teams, because of Minnesota kind of going into the tank, hey, your Cowboys might be the best team out there. Oh, and the sky may fall down today. The moon may come down to the earth. Who knows? But, yeah, you're right. I guess there is a chance. Thanks so much for the time, man. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Thanks, Casey. Hope everybody has a great new year. Yep, you too. That is Stan Gravo doing an excellent job, as always. Let's catch a break. When we get back out of the break, I'm going to get our W's and L's and our betting picks today. It is play-by-play right here on 102.7. We'll be right back after this. The music on the bayou, the rage and Cajun, 1600 AM, KLEB and 102.7 FM. Did you or your loved ones go without this hurricane season? Well, this year, go with Industrial Power Systems, your only local power generation professional serving Lafourche for over 18 years. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators for the most trusted brands in the industry. Generac, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins Onan, and many more. Industrial Power Systems. Power is our middle name. Call us today at 632-1692 or come see us on the back road in Galliano. Do you want a free EasyGo golf cart? Golden Motors has given you a chance to win a new golf cart. All you have to do is buy a new or pre-owned vehicle to get your chance to put your name into a drawing. During the months of November through January 31st, buy your next car, truck, or SUV and get your chance to win. See our collections of Chevy Silverados, Equinox, and Trailblazers arriving daily. Golden Motors, where price is priority. On Highway 3235 and cut off, Chevy, find new roads. Pesky mosquitoes, gnats, and all kinds of South Louisiana bugs taking over your yard? Have no fear, Buzz Off is here to save your summer. Buzz Off is the only locally owned pest control company focusing on your outdoor living space. They use 100% organic ingredients, safe to all humans and pets. Check us out on Facebook or book your appointment today at buzzoffnow.com. Need our cedar beaters now? Call 985-333-8989 today to take your lawn back. Buzz Off Mosquito Control, safe, effective, guaranteed. Some people just have a knack for being there when you need them the most. Like your third grade classmate who sticks up for you against that bully. The neighbor who gives you a jump start. And the friend who chases away that flock of geese at your outdoor wedding. Your state farm agent has your back too. 
through good times and the not-so-good. And who's got your agents back? State Farm, the company people have trusted for more than 90 years. We're here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today at 985-632-0988. It's Mike to tell you for Neal Small Engine Incorporated. Listen up. That's what we did at Gravely. We listened to lawn professionals. Then we brought the professional performance home. Gravely residential zero-turn mowers show the neighborhood that you mean business. Zero turns that are as tough as nails operate a comfort beyond compare. We've got 100 years of professional advice to perfect cutting performance. Just drop the deck, put the neighbors on notice. Gravely, driven from within. At Neal Small Engine Incorporated. Locations in Homa, LaRoe. When you order curbside pickup on the new Rouse's shopping app, you pay the same price for groceries as in-store. And you get free pickup on all orders, $35 or more. Download the new Rouse's shopping app on the App Store or get it on Google Play. Place your order, choose your curbside pickup time, and your Rouse's Market's personal shopper will shop your order for you and load your groceries into your car. It's just that easy. Rouse's Markets. Feels like home. At Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation. To achieve a healthier lifestyle but have little time, the Terrebonne General Executive Health Program can improve your overall health for a lifetime in one visit. With little to no waiting, you get a whole year of wellness in one convenient location. Our preventative screenings increase your well-being by providing early detection against illness. With exceptional VIP service, you leave with a plan in hand to achieve a healthier lifestyle tailored for you. Call the Terrebonne General Executive Health Team at 985-850-6204 today. Wrestling has more than one royal family. Welcome back to Play by Play. One segment to go. We've got W's and L's to hand out, and we've got a lot of fun things to have happen in the next oh, 15 or so minutes. So stick around with us until 1 o'clock. Tomorrow's show's a Wednesday, so that means we'll have, uh, or we'll try to have Brody Williams. We should have Taylor Griffin lined up. We've got our mailbag as well. A lot of you folks have got a lot of great questions that have already been asked. If you have a question that you would like to get asked, uh, please feel free to send it my way, justclarkacy at gmail.com. Do whatever you got to do to get the question to me. Uh, we'll make that happen on tomorrow's show. Um, W's and L's. Our first W, unquestionably, has got to go to Tulane. Um, Tulane, I don't want to say shocked the world because they were only a two-point underdog, right? Like This was not Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. They were only a two-point underdog. Vegas thought that they had a shot. But they were the small mom and pop that beat the national name brand. They were the small, you know, David who went out and slayed the national Goliath. Willie Fritz is making a fraction of what Lincoln Riley is making. Lincoln Riley um, 
will make more this week than most of the Tulane assistant coaches will make in a year. So in that respect, it is a huge upset. But on the field, this is kind of what was predicted, right? Tulane, like we said, is just a two-point underdog. But they did what they had to do. And if you would have told me that Tulane would have allowed 45 points in the game, I would have said, ain't winning that, Bubba. I didn't think that they could score 46 on a USC caliber team. If you would have told me that with 430 left in the game, Tulane would have been down 15. Adios. It's over. They won't be able to run it anymore. Won't be able to hit passes. It's done. Well, that's exactly what happened. And they were able to rally and overcome it. And they get a 46 to 45 win. And they made their fans proud. They made a lot of folks in the state proud. And they had their best season in a long, long time. There are a lot of folks now who are of the belief that this is going to be what Tulane is for the rest of Willie Fritz's tenure. I have my doubts about that uh, because that's not what they've been at any other point in Willie Fritz's tenure. This has been the unicorn. This has been the rare exception to the rule. Willie Fritz has been at Tulane now for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons, and he doesn't even have a record above 500. But none of that matters. Those conversations could be had next week. We're a society that needs to live more in the present. And at present, I think that Tulane fans need to enjoy what was an amazing year. An absolutely amazing year. And L goes to Roger Goodell. The NFL has denied the reports because reports were that about 20, 30 minutes after the Hamlin situation, he's been taken to the hospital, whatever it may be. The teams were told, all right, y'all got five, ten minutes. Get loose. Let's finish the game. The NFL has since denied that that took place. The NFL is lying. The NFL is lying because of the public relations outcry that happened since that took place. That was reported by very reputable people in the industry who are not making it up. And you could see camera shots of both coaches kind of angrily telling their teams, all right, back in the locker room. Those teams were told to warm up and get ready to play. And the NFL is lying to our faces, denying that that happened. Roger Goodell is a shameful excuse for a sports commissioner. Roger Goodell is a shameful leader for a billion-dollar corporation. He has given countless examples of this. The inconsistency in his suspension process, the way that he's handled multiple different situations. He is a shameful, disgusting excuse for a sports administrator, and that showed its ugly head last night when he, I don't care what the league says in a statement, told those teams to go back out there, get ready to play. Kudos to the Bills, kudos to the Bengals for telling them, hey, Roger, shove off. We ain't going play. That's exactly what needed to happen but shame on the NFL administration for asking the teams to be put in that situation and for requiring them to tell the league no. That is disgusting behavior from the league. 
Oh, the playoff standings. Give me a break. There's a 24-year-old man fighting for his life. That game should have been canceled or postponed or whatever you want to call it immediately. Immediately. W goes to the SEC. Because, man, the SEC started off the bowl slate pretty bad, right? Didn't play all that well early in the bowl slate. You got losses from Florida. You got losses from some of the other SEC schools. It wasn't a great start. South Carolina loses to Notre Dame. Um, some of the other teams around the conference, I, Ole Miss, you know, drops one. What's happened since the New Year's six has started? Tennessee beats Clemson pretty decisively. Alabama beats Kansas State decisively. Kentucky loses to Iowa. Hey, I got to shout that one out. It happened. We're without their quarterback, but hey, it happens. Mississippi State beats Illinois. LSU beats Purdue by 56. Georgia wins a college football playoff game. The muscle games in the sport are being won by the SEC. The muscle games in the sport will always be won by the SEC, and the SEC flexed their muscles big over the last couple of days. And L goes to the commanders, and specifically to Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera benched Taylor Heineke after their last game and went back to Carson Wentz. Why Carson Wentz continues to get opportunities to play in the NFL is beyond me. All Carson Wentz did on Sunday was go 16 of 28 with three interceptions, and he lost a fumble. No, I'm sorry, he didn't lose a fumble, but he turned over three times throughout the course of the game. The commander scored 10 points and lost. And then, oh yeah, after the game, a reporter asks Ron Rivera, yo, Ron, how's it feel to know that by 6 o'clock you might be eliminated from the playoffs? He didn't have a clue that his team could be eliminated from the playoffs. Ron Rivera, you are clueless. Why did you bench Carson Wentz? Your team was much better with Taylor Heineke throughout the entire season. What are you doing? You get an L. A W goes to Donovan Mitchell of the Cleveland Cavaliers who scored 71 points. My heart breaks for Donovan Mitchell. It breaks for Donovan Mitchell because any other night ever, had he scored 71 points, he'd be the toast of the sports world. And now most people, including you listening to this right now, probably didn't even realize that he did what he did because of the situation in Buffalo with Hamlin. Donovan Mitchell, you get a W. I hope that your uh, great game does not go lost, does not go forgotten. Congratulations on an unbelievable showing. And L goes to Jim Harbaugh of the Michigan Wolverines. Harbaugh has now lost six bowl games in a row. And he's now reportedly flirting with NFL teams pretty heavily. Why? Because he knows that he's hit the glass wall at Michigan. Michigan just is not able to recruit the same caliber player that LSU is. Academically, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. It's apples to apples. A kid that goes to LSU could go to Michigan. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that they're like Stanford or Tulane. But what I am saying is that Joe Schmo from Warren Easton, who's a four-star receiver, don't want to go live where it's 10 degrees in November. Joe Schmo, a four-star tight end from Georgia, don't want to go live where three of the games that you play and it's going to be snowing and you're going to have a hard time driving to school. and They don't want that. You can't recruit the same type of guy. And I think Harbaugh knows he's reached the glass ceiling. He's reached his limit. His team at Michigan is as good now as it's going to be, and they're not good enough. 
Weekend W goes to Mississippi State football. I am so happy. And this is another story that got lost in yesterday because we're excited about LSU and Tulane. I'm so happy for Mississippi State and those kids. They got a big win over Illinois yesterday, winning for Coach Mike Leach, who passed away during the break between the end of the season and the bowl game. 19-10, to 10, they beat an Illinois team. They end their season with a flurry. Congratulations to the Bulldogs and their entire um, community. They're grieving. They're mourning. They're going through a tough time. But that football team for three hours yesterday gave that fan base, gave the Leach family, gave everybody involved some peace, and a little bit of normalcy, and they got a big win their ninth of the season. Congratulations, guys. An L goes to Kirk Cousins. I don't know or understand Kirk Cousins. Some weeks he looks like, like the best quarterback in the NFL. Some weeks we get what we got Sunday, which is a guy who looked like he had never played the position before and who had gotten his talent taken away from him by the Monstars. Kirk Cousins on Sunday through three interceptions, was absolutely awful, fumbled twice, lost a fumble, couldn't complete anything, and the Vikings got destroyed 41-17 to in a game that was not even that close and was only made that close by some garbage touchdowns. The Vikings are 12-4. and Advanced stats say they're awful and say that they're the worst 12-4 and team in the history of the sport. Whew. Interesting times to see where they shake out in the playoff conversation. The W goes to Malik Neighbors. He played excellent yesterday. All the hoopla of Kayshawn Bouti. Oh, how's LSU going to replace Bouti? How are they going to do this? How are they going to do that? Oh, is Bouti in, in trouble? Oh, is Bouti having an orgy at the SEC championship game? Where staff members going to get fired? Brian Kelly quelled all of that, said it was all nonsense. It was all absolutely ridiculous. LSU has a number one receiver, by the way. They did not lose their number one receiver, but Malik Neighbors has been their number one receiver all year long. He goes over 1,000 yards yesterday, goes over 150 yards in the game, catches a touchdown, throws two passes, both were complete, threw a touchdown yesterday. That guy is your WR1 going into next year. Great job solidifying that position. And L goes to Kevon Thibodeau um, of the New York Football Giants. Over the weekend, Thibodeau got a sack on Nick Foles, which, hey, that's a good play. Congratulations on getting a sack. He then proceeded to do snow angels on the turf while Nick Foles laid limp and injured on the field in one of the most classless celebrations that I've seen in the sport. Jeff Saturday, after the game, said that it was... I'm going to try to find the right words for you if I'm allowed to say them on the air. Um, trash is what he described the celebration. Have a hard time arguing that. Thibodeau has since apologized for the gaffe. You're not sorry that it happened. You're sorry that you got caught doing something stupid. Um, grow up. Grow up. That's disgusting. Your brother and your fraternity mate is laying on the ground injured is like kind of shaking a little bit because he's really ruffled up and you're lying on the damn grass doing snow angels like an idiot. Grow up. A W goes to Tom Brady of the Bucks. Brady looked like a young man again. Boy, <clears throat> we say this with Ellen their basketball a lot. I just get the feeling that Tampa's about to start playing well. Tom Brady looked young again. He looked willing to stand in the pocket again. And I just get the feeling we've not heard the last of Tampa Bay. They win the division. They're likely to play Dallas in the first playoff game. And something tells me they're not going to go out without a fight. Something tells me 
they're going to be in position when this is all said and done. And I just, I don't want to play them. As a Cowboy fan, I do not want to play them. That is a night. You know they're not going to go quietly into the night. You know they're going to compete. And it's going to be a rough matchup for whoever draws Tampa Bay in the opening round of the playoffs. Uh, betting picks today, and then we'll wrap up the show. Let's see. Today in the world of the NBA, it's a light schedule. <clears throat> but I like in the light schedule the Bucks to cover over the Wizards minus seven. Let me give you some college basketball too, and then we'll wrap up the show because there are several college basketball games that I like. Under 158 and a half for Marquette and St. John looks good. I also like, let's see, LSU plays Kentucky today. Give me LSU plus 10 and a half. I don't think Kentucky's very good. Give me Kansas minus one over Texas Tech. And those are our betting picks for today. Let's put a pin in it right here. Thanks for listening. It's our first play-by-play of the new year. Hope to have a bunch of great shows in the new year. Have a great rest of the day. Tomorrow we got the mailbag, we got the turtle, we got Brody Williams, and more. You've been listening to Play-By-Play. Have a wonderful rest of the day, everybody. God bless. You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274 DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow.